All right, thank you so much. John chapter number 11. I am glad to be here tonight. I appreciate the pastor allowing me to use this Pentecostal microphone. Anybody ever heard of Benny Hinn? Well, I'm Joe Rooster, and I'm glad to be here tonight. But <laughs> I like this guy. He just shouts on anything. That's good. But last year, March the 11th, I sent in a doctor's office at Northside Hospital there in Atlanta, and I knew I was having some severe vocal issues. And so he ran the light inside and said, I got some bad news. He said, you have multiple polyps on your vocal cords, and uh, polyps are ruptured blood vessels. And I thought, how in the world does a Baptist preacher get ruptured blood vessels on his vocal cords? Well, you know how they do it. And he said, ma'am, you got to have surgery. I said, well, the knife? Yeah, he said, surgery. You say, Brother Joe, that's minor. You put on a mask and come after me with a knife, that's major. <laughs> Scared me to death. He said, then we're going to check you for cancer. And, uh, boy, that tore my nerves up. And then he said, 10 weeks, no talking, no singing, no preaching. Stay at home for 10 weeks. Boy, that was scary. Uh, my wife and I have been married 38 years. We've never been together 10 straight weeks. That's how you stay married a long time. Don't go home. You can't fight if you ain't there. Say amen. And, uh, but the Lord blessed us, and uh, the polyps came off. There was no cancer. And we were back preaching again in about six weeks at our church, Sunday morning only, for 10 minutes. Boy, they love that 10-minute deal. And we've been trying to work our way back, and we've been doing pretty good till a couple of weeks ago. I got some kind of lung deal, and I had to quit vaping. Boy, I really missed that. And... Uh, but all of that's in the past, and we're just trying to do what we can for the Lord. And I have to use this microphone, and I appreciate it. One pastor wouldn't let me do it. He said, it looks charismatic. I said, well, Jimmy Swargett plays a piano. <laughs> Say amen right there. And I, enjoy, I enjoyed that singing tonight. Wasn't that great? And somebody asked me, did uh, contemporary gospel grieve the Holy Spirit? I said, well, I don't know. It grieves my spirit, and I get such a bad attitude, I wind up grieving the Holy Spirit. But I love that good old-fashioned music, Songs of Zion. I love it, and I love the preaching of the Word of God, too. That's how I got in. Thank God for preaching, and I love your pastor, and I thank God for him, and I'm glad for this opportunity. I'm only supposed to preach 25 or 30 minutes, and Brother Goosby, we'll get you out in plenty of time so you can watch some more television. Amen? But I just love being with my friends, don't you? Turn to somebody beside of you and say, hey, you look better with your mask on. Amen. And Brother Justin, if them two on the end look scrawny, I'll have to see a big one. I'm telling you that right now. God is good. John chapter number 11 and I don't have time tonight to read the entire chapter, but let me just spot read it so you can get a gist of what is on my heart tonight. We'll begin the text tonight, John 11, in verse number 19. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort her, to comfort 
them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she has heard that Jesus is coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then Martha, then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But watch how quick her faith is restored. But I know that even now, whatsoever that will ask of God, God will give it thee. Aren't you glad tonight that God met the need of Martha? But now notice down in verse number 32, there's somebody else here that needs a blessing and needs a touch from God. And what about Mary? Then the Bible said in verse number 32, then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. You think they talked that among themselves? I believe they'd said that to one another. Lord, if you'd have been here, our brother would not have died. But watch verse number 33. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And I'm glad he not only met the need of Martha, but he met the need of Mary. Well, down in verse number 43, there's somebody else in this little village that needs a miracle, that needs a touch from God, their brother Lazarus. Notice how the Lord deals with him in verse number 43. And when they thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And I love verse 44. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. I'm glad God met the need of Martha. I'm glad God met the need of Mary. I'm glad he met the need of Lazarus. But there's somebody else in this text. There's somebody else in this little village that needs a miracle, that needs a blessing. In fact, they have the greatest need of anybody in this little village. And it's those unbelieving Jews that are lost and on their way to hell. Notice how Jesus meets their need in verse number 45. Then many of the Jews, which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, said out loud with me, believed on him. And aren't you glad tonight when Jesus sets the table, everybody's fed. When Jesus meets needs, all needs are met. And with that in mind, I want to preach tonight a little while from this text on the three resurrections in John 11. Hang with me now, I'm going somewhere. The three resurrections in John 11. I love the way the Gospel of John presents our Savior. And by the time you get to the end of John, this is what you know. There is nothing that God cannot do. There are no boundaries, borders, or limits to a sovereign power. In chapter 2, when Jesus performed that first miracle, where he turned the water into wine, the Holy Spirit inserts this little phrase. 
And this was the beginning of miracles. It's as though the Holy Spirit says, you ain't seen nothing yet. And it gets broader, it gets greater, it gets deeper. And it seems that there are no boundaries or borders to his limits. While this man can speak healing in one city, and it takes place in another city. While this man can take a man that is blind and make him see. This man has so much sovereign power, he can take five loaves and two small fishes and feed 5,000. While this man is so great, he can walk on top of the water and even say to the wind and the water and the waves, shh, and they obey his command. It seems to be no boundary, no border, no limit to what this man can do. Every time you think he's maxed out his ability and maxed out his power, he just does it again and again. Just when you think you've got him cornered, he does exceeding, abundant, above all that you ask or think. But when you come to our text tonight, John 11, surely they've got him. Surely they've got him cornered. Surely this man has reached the maximum of his ability because it's one thing to turn water into wine. It's one thing to heal a blind man, walk on water and calm storms. But the man in our text tonight is not sick. The man in our text tonight is not deaf, maimed, crippled or blind. He's not even a leper. The man in our text tonight is not even sick or ill. He is dead. And it's just not dead. He's really dead. He's not just dead, but he's sure enough dead. He's not just dead, but he's uh, four days dead. He's externally embalmed like a mummy dead. He has a napkin over his face dead. He is in a hole in a tomb dead. He is sealed with the stone dead. And according to the words of his sister, and only a sister would say this about her brother, he's stinking dead. He is not just dead, but he is stinking dead. I mean, it's one thing for this man to heal a blind man and, and, and speak healing in one city that takes place in another city and walk on water and calm storms. But surely he's maxed out his power and his ability. Surely he's up against the wall. Well, I want to say to you, shazam. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Because Distance is no big deal, and disease is no big deal, and the demons and the devils are no big deal, and disabilities and deficiencies are no big deal, and even death is no big deal because there's no boundaries, borders, or limits to the sovereign power of the miracle-working Son of God. He's already told us before Abraham was, I am. He has already told us I'm the bread and I'm the water. He has already told us I am the way, the truth, and the life. But now he answers Job's question. When Job stood by the grave of his loved ones and he looked up in the pathos of his suffering 
and said, if a man die, shall he live again? And Jesus said, it's time to answer that question. And the answer is yes, a thousand times yes. For I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Aren't you glad tonight our Lord and our Savior has no boundaries, has no borders, has no limits. For he's higher than the highest and greater than the greatest and better than the best. His name is Jesus and I'm I'm glad I know who he is. And when he goes to meeting needs, everybody gets their need met because Jesus is the need meter. He proves it tonight in this text with these three resurrections. Let's look at them. Resurrection number one, the most obvious one in the text. I call it the resurrection of life for the dead. Lazarus has died. They have externally embalmed him and they have placed him in the tomb. The mourners, the undertakers, the funeral, it's all set and it's all ready. But coming into Bethany's little village is the resurrection and the life. And Jesus says, where have you laid him? And they take the, to Jesus to the place where they had buried their brother. Jesus said, roll the stone away. And we read in the text tonight that Jesus stood at the mouth of that cave and called him by name, Lazarus, come forth. You'll never believe tonight what the Arabic name Lazarus means. It means the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. There are two men named Lazarus in the New Testament. And both of those are mentioned under the shroud of death. There is Lazarus the beggar that set up the feet at the gate of the rich man. But when he died, he was carried to the bosom of Abraham, not on an airplane ride, but a plane air ride. And here is the other Lazarus who has been in the domain and the bondage and the clutches of death for four days. But Jesus raises him from the dead. Can I just tell you something tonight? When the Lord is your helper, there is no valley too deep. There is no ocean too wide. There is no mountain too high because he is good in life and he is good in death and he's even good throughout all eternity. Eternity. The Lord is my helper. And he called him my name. And he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible said in our text, he that was dead came forth. I asked my dad one time, I said, Dad, why did he specifically say Lazarus? He said, son, if he'd have just said come forth, every dead person in the world would have walked out of their grave. And he said, he's going to do that one day. He said, but think about it like this. He shouted at the grave of Lazarus and one got up. He shouted at bloody Calvary and a few got up. But brother, we're looking forward to that next shout. When the shout of the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and not one and not a many and not a few, but every child of God that pillared their dying head on the finished work of Christ is gonna come out of that ground. It is a shadow. It is a 
a down payment of what is about to take place on God's prophetic time clock. May I quote you some scripture that I will not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even as them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I'm glad we will see our loved ones again. I'm glad there is life on the other side of the cemetery. One day every cemetery on planet earth will turn into resurrection ground. That is our hope. That is our joy. That is our anchor that we will see our loved ones again. The other day I went over to Concord Missionary Baptist Church. And there's a little cemetery out up under the trees. And I stood in one little spot at the grave of three of my spiritual heroes. I stood at the grave of Marin Atkinson, a Bible preacher. Looked over there and that was the grave of Brother Sammy. He, hey, friend, he liked that exhorting, and I did too. And then I seen the grave of the man that preached one Thursday night, and I went home and got born again. Brother Stennett, thank God for the Stennett Baloo. I got to thinking, wouldn't you like to be standing on that little parcel of ground when that trumpet takes place? Brother Marin comes out and says, I told you it's going to happen. Brother Stennett said, Jesus is here. Brother Sammy said, hype man. You say you're dreaming. No, I'm not dreaming. I'm glad one day the trumpet's going to sound and ain't no grave going to hold my body down. I buried my father, but I will see him again. Aren't you glad there's hope beyond the cemetery? There's hope beyond the grave. And our resurrection is guaranteed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For the apostle Paul said to the church at Corinth, if Christ be not risen from the dead, our faith is in vain and our preaching is in vain and we are all men most miserable. But we are not miserable. We have a hope. We have an anchor. We have a joy that Jesus is coming and we're gonna leave this world, hallelujah, of sin and sorrow. I'm glad for the resurrection of life for the dead. My neighbor, one of my best friends, goes to our church. He owns the local funeral home up the street from our church. And I tell him all the time, you know what a hypocrite is? It's an undertaker trying to look sad at a $20,000 funeral. That's what it is. He called me one day. He said, come by the place. He said, let's go to lunch. I went by there. He said, come on, let's go. Let's go back to the selection room. I don't like to go back there. I don't like to go back there because every one of them stinking caskets stick their tongue at him and go, you're next. But he said, I want you to see this new one we got in. I want you to see this Batesville. I want you to see this Batesville casket. He said, it's the best we got. He said, Pastor, it's guaranteed not to leak for 50 years. 
I said, Horace Wayne, who is going to know the difference? Oh, he said, Pastor, when I put that seal down and I put that little crank and I crank her down, nothing's going to penetrate that seal. No air, no water, nothing's going to pe- I said, let me tell you something, hearts forward. I love you like a brother, but you can put me in one of them things, dig a hole a hundred foot in the ground, pour a hundred tons of concrete on it, but there is one thing that's going to penetrate every coffin and every vault, and it's the voice of power and authority when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords steps out on the sunny banks of sweet deliverance. We're not miserable tonight. We shall live forever, hallelujah, in a land that's fairer than day. Thank God for the resurrection of life for the dead. Praise God, this ain't all there is to it. The best is yet to come. Resurrection number one, the resurrection of life for the dead. Resurrection number two in our text. You say, I didn't know that was another resurrection here. Oh, yeah. Let me preface it like this. There's more than a dead body in Bethany. There's more than a dead body embalmed and put behind the stone wall. There's another death. There is another stench. There's another sorrow in this little village, there's two little girls by the name of Martha and Mary. And by the way, you do know who they are. They're not enemies to Jesus. They're not strangers to Jesus. They're not odds at odds with Jesus, but they follow Jesus and they worship Jesus and they serve Jesus and they love Jesus. He has an open invitation to rest from his journey at their home. He has slept in their beds. He has ate at their table. He has a welcome place in that little family. And there is something in their heart tonight called trust and hope. It has withered. It has died. It seems like the Lord doesn't care. You say, how do you know they felt that way? Well, look at what came out of their mouth. And I want to ask you this tonight. What gave them the idea? Uh, I mean the audacity to say to Jesus, not behind his back, but to his face, if you, if you would have been here, our brother had not died. You see, when Lazarus got sick, they did the only thing they knew to do. They went and sent for Jesus. But if you know the story, he didn't come when they asked him. He didn't come the very day. He didn't come the next day. He did not come the third day. It's four days later that Jesus comes. And I'm just telling you tonight, if the devil back then was like he is tonight, can you imagine what all he said to them two little sisters? You trusted him, but it didn't work. You served him but it was all in vain. You asked him to come, and he hasn't come. You needed him more than you ever needed him, and look, he's not here. I don't know what all he said, but whatever it was, those two ladies, not behind his back, but to the face of Jesus himself, said, if you, 
It's your fault. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. It seems that their prayers have gone unanswered. It seems that their hope didn't count. It seems that all of the service and all the labor they did for the master is in vain. And ma'am, they are low. They are down in the valley. All their hope, all their courage has withered and died in their heart. They're wondering in their minds, does it really pay? Does it really pay? I loved him, but does he love us? I was there for him. Why come he's not there for us? But I want to say to those two little sisters, don't you let the devil take your mind down the abyss of disappointment and despair and depression. He does care about you. He does know about you. He is concerned about you, but you gotta understand, death means nothing to him, and disease means nothing to him, and a storm means nothing to him, and neither does time. He doesn't wear your watch. He doesn't operate by your calendar. He's not an errand boy behind curtain number three. He's the sovereign God of eternity. He's the mighty God, the everlasting counselor, the everlasting father, and the Prince of Peace. He's got your interest in mind. He has heard your prayer. He is never late. He is never discombobulated. He is never overwhelmed. He will never be dethroned. He will never be impeached. He's never a day late nor a dollar short. The devil's not just a liar. He's a father of all liars. It does pay to serve God. It does pay to preach the gospel. It does pay to live for God. No matter what it looks like, what it feels like, what it tastes like, what it sounds like. The devil is a liar and it does pay to serve God. Lord have mercy. Hard to believe, but in this jubilee, in this camp meeting, I'm preaching to people tonight. Something in you is sick. It's weary and it's almost died. The desire to pray, the desire to shout, the desire to worship, the desire to go and live for God. You're working on fumes. You're going on just emotion. You're going just on pure duty. Man, them joy bells is not ringing and the birds is not singing because you trusted and it didn't happen. You held on to hope, but it didn't happen. You fasted, you prayed, you begged God and it seems like you're farther from your blessing than you've ever been and you're wondering, how can I ever show out again. How can I ever pray again? How can I ever trust him again? I'm going to tell you, hold on baby. He has heard your prayer and he knows your sorrow and he's headed to your Bethany. He's on the way. He's an on time God. He knows how to get to you and he'll know what to do when he gets there. Hold on my child. Help is on the way. And here he comes day four walks in that little village, Martha and Mary are together, and they hear the message. He's here. He's here. Son Martha runs out of that house, runs out there to where Jesus is, and all she needs is just a minute to get it out of her system. If you'd have been there, my brother wouldn't have died. Bam, it's over. Just to see his face. Just to know he cares. 
Just a little visit was enough to restore her faith. And she went from one verse saying, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died to sin. But I know that even now, it ain't no big deal. I've seen you touch blind people, heal leprous people, amen, water thirsty people, feed hungry people, befriend lonely people. No big deal. I want to tell you somebody before you leave this room tonight is going to have a head-on collision with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And God's going to remind you, he does care. He does love you, and you're not out of the will of God, and you're still his child. I know that even now. All you got to do is say the word, Jesus. Whammo, bammo. I'm ready to go again. But Mary's not that way. Let me ask you this tonight. How many parents we have, and you're the parent of more than one child? You may not agree with Brother Arthur about a lot of things, but you got to agree with this. If you got more than one child, they're different. One of the great mysteries of life is how can two kids live in the same house, have the same mama, have the same daddy, go to the same church, eat the same food, and be worlds apart. Why, you can have one child smart as a tack. Don't even have to study straight on a road. Well, not being ugly, but you can have another one dumber than a box of rocks. Ignorant. I mean, just dumb their whole life. Just dumb. Quit looking around. Son, you can have one child. All you got to do is... <clears throat> and son, you can have another one. You can wail. You can frail and threaten to put them in. Well, amen. And they'll bow up and say, why? Boy, I loved it when them two of mine, I just loved it when my two said why because it gave me an opportunity to clear off a piece of ground and say something that I love that thrills my soul to say, cause I said so. Somebody said, do you miss your children? They've grown and they're out. Yep, I do, I really do. I really do. I wish they could come back because they were the only two people in our house that I could say because I said so. You say, Julie still lives with you. Let me tell you somebody, she don't care what you say, she don't care what I say. Listen, all you older men that married them old-fashioned women that cooks biscuits and, and does everything you tell them and all, pray for the rest of us. One young fella come up to me the other day said, oh, Dr. Arthur, I want to marry one of them women that cooks biscuits and does everything you tell them and they, they're just real submissive. I said, son, women like that are like parking spaces. They're taken or handicapped. Can I get a witness in the church house? I feel conviction. I feel conviction. They're different. Kids are different. Martha, all she needed was a little quick, I mean, Jesus just coming in. That was enough for her. But Mary is so tore up. Mary is so vexed. Listen to this. They both heard that Jesus was there. They both heard that Jesus had come. But you know what? She is so hurt. She is so messed up. She won't even go out there. 
and talk to Jesus. She is so bent. She is so distraught. She won't even go out there and talk to Jesus. But this is what I love about the Lord. He wasn't a mean, crude, rude dude in a bad mood. He's kind, compassionate, long-suffering, he did not frail them. He did not scold them. He did not rebuke them. And he did not fail them. He said to Martha, where's Mary? Jesus, she's in the house. Been there for four days. She's wept and she's got the snubs and her eyes look like road maps. Jesus said, you go tell her. Hallelujah. I got wrote down holler hallelujah right here. Woo, hallelujah right here. He said, you go tell her that the master's come and he called it for thee. I wonder if there's anybody in this room tonight, you remember that glad hour when the Holy Ghost said, the master's come and he called for thee. Son Martha runs in that house where Mary's been for four days, weeping and a crying. And the Bible said unto King James, she called her secretly. That means she whispered in her ear, he's here, he's here, he's here. He did come, he does care, he's not late, he does love us. The master's here. Son, that's all she needed, her personal invitation. Son, she jumps up out of that house, she runs down that little cobblestone sidewalk, the mourners think she's going to the grave, but instead of going to the grave, she makes an abrupt turn to the right and goes to the grave robber, to the resurrection and the life. And when she gets up there to him, she don't get up all in his face, but she falls at his feet. And brother, this is what she does. She uncorks the bottle and all her frustration and all of her disappointment and all of her agony and all of her fear that she's secretly bottled up before for four days. Son, she takes the top off and she pours it out and she starts to weeping at the feet of Jesus. She lets it all go. Her anger, her disappointment, her frustration, her bewilderment. She's just weeping at the feet of Jesus. You say, what happened then? I'm glad she asked. While she's weeping at the feet of Jesus, tell him all her trouble about that time she feels something hit the side of her face and it runs down her cheeks and it's puddled up on her hands and she looks up and to her amazement, not only is she a weeping, but now Jesus is a weeping and not only is she a crying, but now Jesus is a crying and her tears got to mingling with his tears and his tears got to mingling with her tears and I just wanna tell you something tonight, when your tears touch the master's tears, Lazarus is gonna walk back and faith and hope and courage will live again. Ladies and gentlemen, when Lazarus walked out of that grave, more than a dead body walked out of the grave in Bethany. You know what happened? Hope, trust, courage, woo, joy. It rises up. I'm about to get blessed on my own preaching. Joy and hope rises up out of the heart 
uh, Martha and Mary. They can serve him again. They can wait on him again. They can worship him again. They can live for him again. And maybe something in you has died tonight. Your joy, your shout, your song, your trust, your hope, your courage. Quit blaming him and complaining. Fall at his feet. Weep a little bit. Tell him you love him and it'll live again. Your shout will live again. Your faith will live again. Your hope will live again. The resurrection of life for the dead. The resurrection of courage and trust for the depressed. When I close tonight with the resurrection number three. Let me say this tonight. There's more than a dead body in Bethany. Let me say tonight, there's more than dead hope and trust and courage in the heart of Martha and Mary. There's a worse death. There is a worse death. You say, Brother Joe, what could be worse than two of God's children doubting him? What could be worse than a man that's four days dead, four days from the clutches and the domain and the chains of death? I'll tell you what, those unbelieving Jews that are dead in trespasses and in sin. And by the way, tonight, if you've never been awakened by the Holy Spirit and regenerated by the mercy of Almighty God, you are a walking dead man. You're not just messed up, you're dead. You're lost dead, condemned dead lifeless, know nothing about the life of God. But my soul, I wonder if there's anybody in this room tonight, you remember when he came to your spiritual graveyard. I believe somebody before me has already adequately preached on viewing your life. You, you were dead. But can I just say it one more time? I was dead in trespasses and in sin, but I'm not dead tonight. I want to scream so bad I can't stand it. Can I run one rabbit if I hurry? If you're in this room tonight and you are a hyper-Calvinist, you are going to hyperventilate before I get through with this point. They say, man, total inability, total inability. He can't even hear. He can't even hear. He can't. I mean to tell you that Lazarus was four days dead, wound up like a mummy dead, stuck a hole in the hole dead, had a macking over his face dead, but he wasn't so dead he could not hear the voice of resurrection. I was dead in trespasses and in sin, alienated from God, but he spoke to me one glorious day, and I I heard his voice, and he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. I'm glad I heard that voice of resurrection. So I see the resurrection of life for the dead. I see the resurrection of hope and courage for the distressed, but I see the resurrection of faith and regeneration for the lost, the depraved, the desperate, the needy. The Bible said in our text tonight, when they had seen the things which Jesus did, whoo, he did it to Lazarus through Martha and Mary. 
And you know what they found out in this text? God took their misery and gave them a ministry. God took all of their thorns and tears and trials and made them a testimony. Because those lost, dead, unbelieving Jews saw how God worked in their life. And they said, I want to know him too. I want to trust him too. And a whole bunch of sinners got saved that evening. Because I mean, I'll tell you, the greatest resurrection of them all is when an old sinner lost without God passes from death unto life. I'm glad he makes dead things live again. Man, I got to close. I've had me a time. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. You come to the end of chapter 11, and guess what you have after chapter 11? 12. Them boys Mississippi, they up on it, ain't they, man? But you got more, Brother Doug, than a number. You see, chapter number 11, you got a tomb. But chapter 12, you got a table. See, in chapter number 11, they're having a sepulcher. But chapter 12, they're having supper. Over in chapter number 11, they're crying. But over in chapter number 12, they celebrate. You see, Psalm 30, verse 5 is hyphenated right in the middle. Chapter number 11, weeping had endured for a night. But chapter 12, joy had done come in the morning. And they're having a celebration at Simon the ex-leper's house. And they're celebrating Lazarus who is no longer dead. But he's not the attracted guest. The attracted guest is Jesus. And they're celebrating him. What are they celebrating him for? Because he's the reason Simon ain't a leper no more. And he's the reason why Lazarus ain't dead no more. And right in the middle of their celebration, here she comes, Mary. I'm back, Lord. I trust and hope lives again. And I brought something for you. She gets at his feet one more time. Breaks that alabaster box. That ain't enough. She just gets a portion all over. Yeah. <laughs> you say, what's that got to do with us? Well, tonight we're in chapter number 11. But just any day now, we're going to come out of 11, step over into 12. I read about it in Revelation 4 and 5. And we're going to be celebrating. Lord, I feel like preaching tonight. And they're going to celebrate the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the Lion of the tribe of Judah having been slain from the foundation of the world. And right in the midst of that big celebration, here comes us Marys. Because we ain't dead no more. And we don't have an alabaster box, but we got a little old crown. And we'll shame the word in front of him. So we take it and cast it at his feet and say, Thou art worthy, O Lord. Here's my closing shot. If you'll quit whining, complaining, belly aching, and arguing with God, 
He'll move you out of chapter number 11, move you in chapter number 12, and you'll come out on the other side saying, he can do anything. He can do anything. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for these good songs. Thank you for this good message. Thank you for these good people. Lord, last year I thought I'd never be able to come back and do this again. Lord, something in me died. But I'm glad, Lord, you came by and resurrected our hope and courage. I love you. You're a wonderful. Lord, help some of your children tonight. Lord, in the valley of despondency and fear, God, make it live again. Make their joy live again. Let them shout again. Let them trust again. We love you tonight. You do all things well. In the mighty name of Jesus, we love you. Amen.